following was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated in Memphis, Tennessee. Hello, my name is Rick Cheddar, and this is From Radio Land. Greetings, salutations, hello, hey, how's it going? Welcome to another episode from Radio Land from the home office in Memphis, Tennessee. This is episode number 358. The uh, This is right here before Christmas. This is the second to the last episode of the year. Mm. You know, it's just another, it's another, another day of the week. Another week in the year, a week in the month, another month in the year. It's uh, it's nuts. Uh, people, uh, you know, hustling, bustling a little bit, and uh, Christmas being a bit muted. I know Hanukkah was a bit muted for some as well. I mean, you know, considering the circumstances, uh, you know, there were some very uh, quiet uh, moments for people at home, just family, you know, and it's really kind of what the holiday really is about, anyway. But um, uh, there's people who it's not what it's about, bro. It's, it's about it's about Jesus. He was born on December 25th, you know. Um. Okay, um, this is let's not get into that discussion. the the whole The whole point is, uh, it's 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 a time. It should be for a bit of reflection about who we are, what we're doing, where we're going. You know what's what's important to you as a human being. And I'm not going to get all maudlin or anything like that about it. I mean, you know, you, you, yes, you got to you got to you got to be with your family as much as possible. I get that. Uh, it's not terribly uh, easy to do right now because, well, you know, there's a pandemic. And, yes, there's a vaccine that's out there. No, the pandemic has not gone away. It's going to take a minute. <laughs> it's it's going to take. It's gonna be a little bit of time. No, I have not gotten my shot. I'm not on that list. Uh, it's, it's just the way it is. When my time comes, I will more than likely do it. So, yes, yes, there's, there is that. And, you know, that's the whole point. You know, with the holidays here – you know, in, in past years, it's been, you know, there's a, there, at least around here, I can speak from, from my point of view, from the way it is, you know, here at my home, uh, the, you know, my wife loves the holiday. She loves Christmas. That's, it's, it's her, I, but I see, here's the thing. She likes everything that's the lead up to Christmas, the immediacy of it, the, you know, like the week before, maybe the 10 days before. And then Christmas day comes and it's like, eh, it's all over. It's done. It's a long slog until springtime, you know, and it, in a way, yeah, she's right. But this time it's different in that, uh, we didn't, uh, we didn't even, we, we didn't put up a tree. <laughs> we didn't do anything. We didn't so much as stick out one of them stuffed little Santas that sits on a bookshelf somewhere. We didn't even do that. You know, it's, uh, it, it, we've just both been kind of, I don't know, not really into it. And, um, and it was easy for me because I haven't been into it for years, <laughs> but that's, that's not the whole point. You know, for her, it's it's a thing, and she's just trying to muddle through it as best as possible. We all are, and that's what you have to do. And you know, uh, we will we'll get through this all fine, well, and dandy. All of our all of our attention is being focused on all sorts of things that are happening in the news. And 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 I, I'll just implore you this: don't lose sight of of what this is really kind of about. And you know, we we tried this at Thanksgiving, and we wound up spreading the disease. Please don't do that. Um, please, please don't do that. Um, we're right now here in Memphis, not Memphis per se. Well, Memphis, yeah. Tennessee, the state of Tennessee is the number one state in the union for the transmission of COVID-19. We're number one. Um, 
that's not a good sign. And um, I, I, you know, I, it, it couldn't have come at a worse time because people are going to ignore this stuff. They're just going to go, oh, well, there's a vaccine. It's okay. I have a mask. It's here in my pocket. This <laughs> is what it is. I have a mask. Yeah, it's in my glove box in my car. <sighs> when you go out, wear a mask. You know, by the time this this particular episode airs on Radio Memphis, which will be the Wednesday before, it'll be the 23rd at midnight. Well, as you go into Christmas Eve, it'll be after the Spud Goodman show. Uh, a lot will have happened, uh, and and I'm not going to try and suppose. I mean, I know that there's some new directives coming into Shelby County and all of that, so this I'm not even going to try and make hyperbole on how all that works or what's going to happen. Um, I'm just going to tell you that, generically speaking, if you don't look after yourself and take a, take a moment to think about somebody else around you, whether you know them or not, especially if you don't know them, you know, watch your distance, be kind, you know, try and be kind. Christmas is tough because people aren't kind to anybody. They just, they, it's like, I I want that PS5. Yeah, I'm going to get those bananas. They just, <laughs> I don't know how bananas figures into this, but they do. Just try and be cool and be sweet and be, that's what it's about. Okay. So that's, you know, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. I'm going to make way for our guests because we have a big show for you this time out. Uh, we have... The last model standing. Yes, indeed. Uh, we have this lovely lady uh, we had spoken to who is a COVID survivor. You will hear her story. She was all over the Club uh, uh, 54 uh, scene Yeah, in New York. She, she's going to be calling into us from New York. We're going to have a chat with Wendy Stewart. She is an absolute dynamic lady. You are going to have so much fun with her. And uh, by the end of the thing, you'll probably be like me, probably have like a celebrity crush on her because she's just delightful. You're going to have a lot of fun, and and uh, and and I promise you, it's it's going to be very very enjoyable. So that's coming up next. So please stick around after this brief break. We'll be back in about thirty seconds with Wendy Stewart right here from Radioland. Wizards is corona-free and is your headquarters for your essential quarantine supplies. Their viral sale is happening right now with deals throughout the store. Get some sage to chase away the bad stuff. Incense, woodwick candles, decorative fans, and things to keep you busy while you're stuck at home. T-shirts, bandanas, hats, and more on sale right now. CBD, Kratom products, and personal cleansers for that job interview. Open 10 to 10 every day at 1999 Madison Avenue in Midtown or get it all delivered when you order online at wizardsmemphis.com. Wizards, because it's still smoking. You must be 18 or older to buy smoking-related products. My guest this time out uh, has, uh, well, she's uh, she's she's a rather popular lady, and uh, she's got quite the story to tell, and we're glad to have her here. Wendy Stewart Kaplan joins us through the miracle of the internet. Hello, Wendy. How are you? I am excellent. The miracle of the internet, because you know what? Sometimes when you're live streaming, it's a miracle when everything works. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, we're tonight rick we're having a miracle you and i are experiencing a miracle right here yes we are and uh and and, and every day is is miraculous that every day that i can i can get up and not not and not get the covid <laughs> really you know. i hear you loud and clear i had it back in march so. did you did you what yes, was that like well you know new york um you know when we're hit really oh bless you. Oh yeah, and you did the right thing. You coughed into your elbow. Coughed into my elbow, yes. Yes, Good I did. For you. Yes, that's thank what you. you that's what anyone who's listening, cough into your elbow. That's right. Um back in March, you know, when they said that this was coming and they were shutting New York down, they talked about this curve that was gonna happen in a couple of days. And you know, it's like when you think of a curve, right? You think about a curve in a road, you don't really you can't envision what that curve would mean. Right. That curve was on the top of a graph and what it meant for a lot of us, so many people in New York 
all of a sudden came down with COVID at this. It, it was like science fiction, Rick. It really was. And uh, I have 22 friends that I hadn't seen in, in like a month in all different parts of New York. We all got sick at the same time. Oh, wow. It was crazy. It was like my, I had a friend that said it was like it was jumping off of the walls. And um, I was lucky. We all, my whole family got it, but we ran low grade fevers. But the weird thing, you know, the thing about losing your smell and taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost it for seven months. Oh, my goodness. And I was part of this international, I'm still part of it, um, a smell and taste group all over the world. And this is what's so weird. Everybody who got sick in mid-March all over the world, a lot of those people lost their smell and taste. I am lucky that mine is back, but there's a lot of people in the group that are still, you know, they, they put posts up. It's coming along really, really slow. It's crazy. And now the smell and taste thing has really become the defining factor for COVID. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll walk into a room somewhere uh, where the dog has been, for example, and I'll go, well, <laughs> at least I know my sense of smell is working. So I've got that going for me. But yeah, yeah, it's- yeah you, you know, you're good. I knew I was in trouble because I live in a New York apartment with two rabbits, uh. a chihuahua and a cockatoo. And I really got to keep my living room smelling really clean. They're all loose, too. Everyone's trained to go in a litter box. But when the, I would go into the living room and it smelled okay to me, I knew something was really wrong. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. So when it came back, did it was, was it just like a flick of the switch and there no, it was? It's not a, it, I can tell you if anybody out there has had it, it is not a flick of a switch. It is really gradual. And uh, I would say I'm 98% back. That other 2% makes things that you used to know how they smell, they smell different now. And a lot of people have experienced that where it smells like weird stuff, like moldy bread or garbage. It's not pleasant that those little things that just don't smell the way you remember them smelling, you know, talcum powder, you know, perfume talcum yeah, powder. Right yeah, after yeah. That. It, there's something in that that has a very weird smell to me. The perfume in it just smells not good really bad as if it's rancid or something it's weird it's very hard to describe but yeah that that's the deal with that so we were all very lucky i was the only one that got knocked out for the amount of time with the smell and and taste you know i don't have to tell you a lot of people aren't so lucky you're reading the numbers all over the country right now and it is crazy it is it's scary it's very scary and you know on the air we talk about it quite a quite a bit you know, at length yeah, yes cool. uh just to keep everybody abreast of it but we also you. you know we also talk about things like that are uh, unrelated to it to give people a little bit of an escape from it because we're just so beat over the head we with got this to. you know we, we got to because we all have to listen we just came off at thanksgiving I had a good Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. Yes, it was quiet, but it was very pleasant, and it was nice. And you know, I just—I actually had a day off, is the way I looked at it that way. Right, and and of course, you had turkey and all the traditional dishes, right? No, we did not. My wife, my wife is from Ireland, um, and so Uh they don't celebrate that kind of stuff. So to her, uh, that tradition—the only thing she really likes about the traditional Thanksgiving dinner is the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows. That's the only thing. Oh my god, we have. That's like the best. I have to tell you, I could just totally bag the turkey and have the sweet potatoes with marshmallows as a meal. And when they make it with applesauce in it, mm, oh my god, yes, oh yeah, you know, uh, you know, we have like uh, we had a little bit of salmon, uh, you know, some rice, you know, it's uh, you know nothing. We don't do the traditional thing, you know. It's just really just the two of us. I'm not. But you know what? You just said it. You took the day off. Thanksgiving is an important day to take off be with family or be with friends and, you know, just take a moment. It's really important that all of us in our lives 
take a moment. Now, the holidays like Thanksgiving are a lot of pressure for someone like me um, because, well, have you, you know about my show Pandemic Cooking with Wendy, right? I do know about this show. I was going to talk about <laughs> this thing. This is, it's delightful. Thank you. I, lo- I love that you called it, it, it. Thank you. That makes me feel really proud. But to have to do a whole Thanksgiving feast, that would be too much for me. You know, if you've tuned into my show, we cook, you know, things that are simple, inexpensive, not tons of ingredients, but tons of flavor. And I always, you know, I try and look for quirky little recipes. Like I did a variation on a shake and bake, right? You know what shake and bake is? You put oh, the yeah. chicken in the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have a friend on friend on that's a nurse, Nurse Jed. And Jed had written this recipe and I had him come on. His recipe for chicken was so amazing. We took the chicken and we coated it in a bag with flour and truffle oil. Oh my. And then took it from that plastic bag and put it in a bag where we crunched up truffle potato chips. All right, how cool is this? Crunched it up really fine. Yeah. And then put the chicken in there and we shook it. Plus, I really love the crunching of the potato chips, Rick. You know, oh, I made yeah. them. You can take your aggression out, right? Ab- absolutely. Day, you crunch up that bag, right? Put the chicken in and then we baked it in the oven at 350 for 40 minutes, 20 minutes. See, I'm giving the recipe away right here. 20 minutes on one side, 20 minutes on another. And we took it out. I have to tell you, it was out of this world. And that recipe was so successful, it made it into a, a celebrity cookbook. This is all my, I tell you, the last, like for me since March has been unbelievable. I'm in a celebrity cookbook, the Cafe Himbo Quarantine Cookbook. And the recipe is called Nurse Jed's Truffle Coated Chicken. That's awesome. That Isn't is that cool? That is so awesome. I, I love your approach to this because the, the, the whole idea. That, that first episode is so delightful. You're talking about the the, the box, uh, and you're, you're, you're talking. Uh, no, you just you outed me. <laughs> the, the fact that I really couldn't. Go- well, okay. Let's but that's but that's what that's what's so enjoyable about it. You see, because there's so many people out there who can. Who will you know go into a kitchen and just lock up? They're they're afraid that they're going to do something horrible. They're going to ruin dinner for everybody. But you approach this with like this bravery and this fun thing about it, and it's like everybody sits there and watches it and goes, "Well, you know, well if well if she could do it, I can do this. This is not that hard." So that was well, absolutely. And you're going back to the very first episode. So well, I'll tell you how the show came about. They shut New York down March 12th. Yes. And March 13th, I stood in the kitchen with my husband. who We make documentary films. You know, he's a shooter. He's a cameraman. And I said to him, what are we going to do? And he said, everything has come to a screeching halt for people that are performers, entertainers, filmmakers. And I looked at him. I said, we're going to do a show. We're going to do a cooking show. And he said, but Wendy, you can't cook. And I said, Exactly. This show, Pandemic Cooking with Wendy, has allowed me to just use my comedy, my costumes from being a performer, right? All of it. So to get up and running, Rick, you know, you're right. People get nervous about it. I'm like, damn, I can't cook. What am I going to do? Well, you know, like they were telling everybody to start getting loads of food in your freezer because it was going to be hard to get food. So I called up Fresh Direct. Did you have a Fresh Direct near where you are? Yes. And stuff very similar to it. Yes. Okay, so when I called up Fresh Direct, you know, I put in this order. I didn't realize that some of the stuff I ordered was coming to me uncooked. So <laughs> they send it to you, and, right? I know, right? <laughs> Snagged. It, it comes uncooked in a big cardboard box, 
and it has directions with it. So I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to make the most of this situation. And besides, this is really funny. I mean, it was funny, I have to tell you. So the first uh, dish I made was called spatchcock chicken. And it came with uh, root vegetables and onions. And then it came with these weird things. And while I was telling people about how we're going to make this on camera, I was talking about the little hard potatoes it came with. Oh, yeah. Well, they weren't little hard potatoes. People wrote in and said to me, Wendy, those are chestnuts. <laughs> no wonder they were so hard, Mick. I had no idea. Oh, but so, that but that's that's part of the charm of the show. Yeah. I mean, because it's 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 so it's it's a it's a very easy idea. And thank God that YouTube is out there because Thank God. You know, because now we can just, you know, I've, although I think I've seen everything that YouTube has ever to offer, but that have, have you really? Are you on a lot? Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time in my in my in my home studio here, and I do a lot of research, and I and I do, I look at a lot of things, and if I'm having a bite to eat, I'll often put on a short video just to watch for a little bit, and then one thing leads to another, and you go down that rabbit hole, you know. Oh, it's the YouTube rabbit hole. I yeah. Know myself and then three hours goes past oh and, and it's like well I, it's three in the morning i need to go to bed for whatever reason not like i'm gonna and, get up and but you're you know. thinking what the heck did i just watch i mean yeah. there's all kinds of weird stuff same with like tiktok now yeah. i'm not on i haven't done tiktok yet because i'm in so many other social media areas and, right. but tiktok i have gone on and looked at this stuff there's some really cool fun stuff on there it is yeah and i think that with instagram's reels that they're doing they're trying yeah. to they're trying to compete with that so you know it is it is it is fun to see the creativity that's coming out when people have been given just a blank canvas to, to run with, whether it's whether it's YouTube or TikTok or, or or Instagram, even hell, even Facebook has its has its amusing times. Although, you know, if people just would 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 not be so damn political about things, it would be a lot more pleasant of an experience. Of, of course. But you know what? Your page can be whatever you want it to be. Right? Sure. Mine is just filled with like funny, funny stuff, sure. animal stuff, all the cool things and funny things that I that I love and things that I do because I want my page right to reflect me. When people go to Wendy Stewart on Facebook, I want them to laugh. I want to entertain them. You know, I have well, every segment of everything I've ever done, every podcast I've been been on and i just i'm there to entertain people that's how i look at it that's that's always been my job and march 12th when they shut down i thought what what am i going to do now yeah, you know yeah. i've performed in clubs i'm a stand-up comedian i'm an on-camera host all the things that i do all of a sudden came to a screeching halt, and i thought i am reinventing myself for now which is you know live stream right live sure. streams amazing. Look, for me i have traveled all over the country and the UK doing live streams now since since March. Wow! Right. I mean, isn't that amazing? That's that's but great. I'm, I'm with you on that because you know when you're in, when you're in the business, you know what are you going to do when all of a sudden they tell you you can't do it? Right. You know right, and, exactly. And, and look it, how cool I'm on your show tonight. You know we are we're here together. Yes, we are virtually virtually together <laughs> a thousand miles apart. Sense, but virtually here. Here we are. So the other thing that um, I do that I love, we make films, documentary films yes. about uh, people in remote places of the world and endangered animals. And ironically enough, once again, all the film festivals went online. So we had entered a bunch of films into a bunch of festivals and we've had them screened, which has been great. The, um, one of the most recent films that we did, which is called Whispers and Witnesses, mm -hmm. is about primate rescue in Cameroon. We went to Cameroon to tell the story of gorillas and chimpanzees 
and how they are being hunted and killed for medicinal purposes and for what they call bushmeat, mm-hmm. which means people eat them. There's parts of the world, uh, Asia and the Middle East, where they eat this this bushmeat. So I met two amazing women that had these rescue centers that came to speak at the Explorers Club in New York. Now, do you know anything about the Explorers Club? I know a little bit. I know I kind of I kind of have an okay. idea with you. There's 3,400 members, and it's people that are all into exploration. Right. And I'm a member as a filmmaker, so is my husband. So these women came to talk about how they one has been living in Cameroon for 12 years, the other one's been there for 20 years, and how they single-handedly have been getting the chimpanzee and gorilla population to increase mm-hmm. because they came up with these rescue centers. And what they are is when the parents are poached and killed, somebody gets the baby to them and the baby lives in these rescue centers where there's other families of gorillas and chimpanzees. However, this is like the cool, I love sharing really neat facts, right? You can't like just take a baby chimpanzee or gorilla and put it with another gorilla family or another chimp. It's like us, right? Right. It's like we all have who we get along with people that you connect with. Well, chimpanzees and gorillas have primates that they connect with too. So what they do is a substitute. Each um, baby primate gets a human being caregiver. And the caregiver's job, this is the coolest thing, is to teach the gorilla or the chimpanzee how to be a gorilla or chimpanzee. Because keep in mind, the parents have been killed. Sure. So they have to take that um, baby into the forest and teach it how to climb trees and pick fruit. and It's know, monkey school. It's, I, I love that in school. So they go to monkey school, which is run by a person. And the person cannot get too close to the primate. Right. Because at the end of the year, that that baby, you know, is a year old and is going to be put with a family. Right. And in both places, they had to try the baby out with different families because some of the families were like, no, you know, we don't we don't want you here. We don't like you. It's just like us. Yeah. Listen, they share ninety-seven percent of our DNA. Oh right? yeah. So I think I've worked with a, with a few of them in my professional career. <laughs> I'm sure. I believe me. I I have too. <laughs> over in over in corporate radio world. Yeah, that's a that's a whole different view. Oh really? The primates in corporate. Radio. Oh my god! They're as bad as they're they're just as bad as Komodo dragons. They're just they're awful people. But I that's but. Dragons. Okay, yes. so is is this document? Is it available now? Can people? Can... Um, it's still in the festivals, but you can go to my uh, uh, page on Facebook. It's called Visual Journeys Our Stories, and the film is called Whispers and Witnesses: Primate Rescue in Cameroon. You can read about it. You can read reviews on it. It will eventually be released. We just haven't released it yet. That's fantastic. Now that's Thank the, you. I, I love I love animal stories anyway, and they're they're just. They're, they're... I have another. You do? Tell me. Tell me your other animal story. Yeah. So the current film that we're working on is called Working Dogs, A Love Story. Uh And we decided, it's funny, like this was before the pandemic, we decided to make a film right here because we go to remote animal stories happening right here. And I thought the best animal stories, Rick, were about therapy dogs and service dogs. I I have a working dog. He's he's, he's a retired racing greyhound, but he's, you know, he had a job at one point. Well, you know what? That's you know. I never thought to put a segment about greyhounds in the film. You just got my wheels turning because we're almost done with the film. But that would be a great segment because 
those dogs are adopted by loving people like yourselves. Yes, yes. And they're given a really good life. I work for I, I work for an organization. Um, I'm, uh, it's a volunteer organization that helps uh, uh, find homes for these guys when they get off the track. And uh, we work very in, in, in fact, our offices are at the track. Uh, there's one not not too far from here. And uh, wow. And uh, you know, it's you know, it's a uh, you know, the the racing scene here is going away. I think in about two years it'll be finally done and over with, which was kind of weird, bittersweet because it's taking a lot of a lot of people out of work, but it's also taking a lot of dogs out of a job too. But at the same point, you know, these you have to you know, there's a, there's all these misconceptions about it that people thought that you know there was there was cruelty going on, and there's there's clearly not. These are these are very expensive dogs when they when they come yeah. in to work. They're treated like royalty and. In fact, one of the first things a, a new a, when you adopt one, if you if you bring one home, one of the first things you have to teach them to do is how to handle stairs. They, oh yeah, right. They're, they've never done that. No, they've never done. It. They've all had ramps wherever they wherever right. they went. You know, they always got they got baths like two or three times a day. They eat like kings. You know, and and now when you retire them, they lay on the couch and watch TV with you. That's all they do. So is that what yours is doing? Uh, he's not in here right now. I don't know. I, he's he's probably laying on the bed, probably watching watching <laughs> wrestling or something. I don't know Ross what he's doing. He's a typical retired athlete. He likes to eat and drink and watch TV, and and you know, we take him on long walks and stuff. But that, yeah, but that's it. But yeah, but you know, the 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 service dog thing is still that's that's also very fascinating to me because of the amount of work that goes into that. Well, you know, it's service and therapy dogs, right? So, example of a service dog, we went out with a canine unit. Now, I've we all hear right when nine eleven happened, we all heard about the hero dogs. They get one line in the newspaper, yeah. and that was part of the motivation behind making this film. I said, let's pay homage to these wonderful working animals and the work they do. So we go out with the canine unit, and um, the police officer, she's got a bloodhound, and I said, tell me the kind of jobs he performs. One of the things the bloodhound does is he finds people in the woods. Why are people why are people wandering off in the woods? Well, this is a big age. Do you know how many people with Alzheimer's? Oh my god, yeah. By dogs. I never th- you know, my mom had Alzheimer's. I never thought of it that way. Right. And the dogs are used in that capacity. So we went out and the dog's name was Dixon and she said, "I'm going to have Dixon go find you. I want you to run like a quarter of a mile." away from where we are we were in the woods and she said just run a quarter of a mile away she says let me have your glove and she rubs my glove all over dixon's face right because yeah. this is the cool another cool factoid rick the smell gets in those wrinkles you know how wrinkled blood yeah, are? Yeah, yeah yeah so that it stays in there so now he knows who he's looking for right so i run the quarter of a mile i find a barn and i go and i hide behind the, the barn i'm like this dog is there's no way right all of a sudden, I hear, you know how. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's crazy. And and the next thing I know, this massive thing it has jumped up on into me on the wall of the barn. He's got both of his broad paws on my shoulder, and he's licking my face. And that was a big tongue, I have to tell you. But, I mean, that, that is a, a good example of things that we have in our film i went out with a journalist who has epilepsy and his dog dharma reminds him when he's going to have a seizure can you imagine how does she know how to do this she can smell a chemical in the brain oh wow yeah i know right so dharma will start pouring on on jonathan's arm to remind him hey you got to take your your medication you're going to have a seizure so those are a couple of examples now we thought we were finished up more or less with the film and then all of a sudden this pandemic happens 
and I live in the city and I, you know, the, we were, you know, isolated. We were told we couldn't go anywhere, but I live by Central Park and that's a huge park. If you know anything. Uh, about I've been there. Yes. I, I start going to Central Park and I see all these people with rescue dogs, puppies, and they're all new. Yeah. yeah. They, because people, a lot of people started working from home. People got laid off and people emotionally flipped out. So what did they do? They adopted dogs and we realized we couldn't tell the story correctly unless we talked about, we call that segment pandemic puppies. Yes. But that's exactly what it is to people that have gotten, so many people have gotten dogs during this. And let's face it, you know, you said you're an animal person. I'm an animal person. What could be better than, you know, to have a dog see you see you through all of this? Absolutely. They become your buddies. You know, uh, you know I, I was just thinking when you were talking about uh, service dogs and stuff, you know, can you imagine how much, how much pull you get around in the world if you had a service gorilla? I don't think anybody give you any lip. Oh, that's hilarious! I love that you. Uh, I love you that you use the word pull. That would be massive pull. That's a major pull right there, babe. You know. That's a, that's a major pull. I got a gorilla. Get out of my way. Nobody's going to um, give you any lip over at the Walmart when you go walking arm in arm with a service gorilla. You see. Um, well, they not only will not give you any lip, Rick, but you know what? You'll end up on the people of Walmart. Have you ever gone yeah. to that site? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I think I may be related to some of those people, but you know, Stop. I, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Hey, I, I saw that uh, you were a, a bit of a fixture back in the day at Studio 54. Am I correct in that? Of course. I was a more than a bit of a fixture at Studio 54. I was there every Thursday night and Sunday night. Was it ladies Studio night? 54. Is that the deal? Yeah. yeah. No, it was like... Uh, Thursday night was what they call a mixed night. Sunday night was the gay night, but everybody was always friendly and people would always, you never were lacking a partner to dance with. But in many cases, as the dance floor started to empty out at three o'clock in the morning, I would be dancing alone. I didn't need a partner. Yeah. I love music. I love to dance. And I, it was one of the coolest things in the world to be at Studio 54. Plus the people that you got to meet. One of my first times in Studio 54, they brought um, this singer that I knew from a club named Danceteria. And she um, she's had, at that point, they were saying, oh, she's going to be huge. And she came out. And it was very pop music. And I was up in the balcony with my friends and I'm like, I can't stand this song. And I'm like, this girl is not going anywhere. Well, the rest is history. It was Madonna and the song was borderline. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Right. So be careful what you say. Right. I know. Right. Because you know, things tend to happen. <laughs> things happen in life and, and who knew? So yeah, that was, that was the deal with studio 54. I met Andy Warhol there. He offered me a part in a, and he didn't have any money, but he was going to pay me with a painting. And being a dumb kid, right? Think of all the dumb things you do when you're oh, a no, kid. You... I said to him, oh, no, I need money to pay my rent and bills. Oh, no. You could have been in an Andy Warhol picture. I could have. But you know what? I was a fixture at Studio 54. I... You know, the New York club scene in the probably like in the early 2000s really started to shut down. It wasn't so much fun anymore, but just before this pandemic happened, I ended up giving, so I also do promotion and emceeing. I gave a huge event. It was called the extravaganza with another producer, Nick Lyon. And we wanted the party to be, we wanted it to be new 
and we wanted it to be old school, right? And that is not easy to do. Well, how are we going to do that? So for six weeks before we gave this extravaganza, which was January 24th of last year, was my big birthday extravaganza. We went out at least to three or four parties a week and got all different people and invited them, right? That was, is that not brilliant market research? That's fantastic. It's a great way to do it. It's a lot of fun too. It was, oh my God, we had a great, and you know what? It didn't cost us very much because people were buying us drinks all over the place. Oh, and, sure. and we had cute little cards made up, invites, and they wanted to come. Listen, everybody does everything through texting or, you know, putting it up on Facebook. There is a lot of value to have a cardboard piece of paper that you take it home with you yeah. and you can put it on your dresser or put it on your refrigerator magnet. So we were packed that night and I gave two big shows that night. I had all amazing performers come and perform. It was such an incredible night and that was January 24th and then we all know what happened in March and the rest is history. But you wait, you wait because... Going forward, once they get this vaccine down safe and rocking and rolling, I'm, I'm getting ready for my next extravaganza. People need to get out there. Yeah, they do. I've, I've been having uh, conversations with uh, <clears throat> a couple of uh, musician friends and some producers and whatnot, because we also have a, a recording studio that I own. But one of the things we were talking about uh, being here in Memphis is, is, the, is, is dealing with blues musicians. And these are guys <laughs> that are... You know, they're these are the last of the old school cats. You know, these some of these guys are, you know, they're in their eighties. Uh, we just lost one uh, yesterday. Uh, oh no! Oh. Yeah, I mean, he he passed away. Well, he was ninety. You know, and he was he was God just a, it was a luminary. And with this with this whole pandemic coming along, and there there's no shows. These guys are not they're not allowed to play anywhere. They're starving. There's there's becoming an issue. So I think we're we're working on a on a, a series of programs that we're going to put together that should carry hopefully carry these folks through the winter time because I think we have a long cold winter ahead of us and yes, getting you do. But that is so cool that I I love that you're doing that. You're going to put them on on virtual, right? Yeah, we're going to do this, you know, in a way. I know a lot of these guys have a lot of pride too. So you're not going to be able to you're not going to be talking to them that much but but we're going to be talking with people that are going to help get like non-perishable food items down to the studio we've got a we've got a group of volunteers that are interested in in, in disseminating this stuff to get it out there we've, we're setting up uh, uh places where people can donate money you know that kind of thing okay. you know so right. but you know I, I, the, in in the entertainment business we have to kind of take care of ourselves because nobody else is doing it you know they, thank you very thank you very much i did uh the other night i did a concert with um Soho Johnny, it was yeah. a five hour benefit. You know, you know about it. Yeah, I watched know? it. And yeah, I watched a fair bit of it. Yeah. Amazing. How amazing was that? They had people that you heard of, people that you didn't hear of. Right. Everyone was amazing on it. And then they, you know, talked about what people have gone through in between. So it, that kind of show is needed so badly right now because it makes people just go on there and they, they hit their PayPal, they hit their Venmo, and they donate money. Yeah. And, and that's a really great thing. Yeah. We've got a, a live blues show that we do on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Central where this is going to really start taking shape and we'll be talking a lot about it and, uh, and, and turning it into sort of a mini radiothon for now. And then we'll Love just, it. we'll just see kind of where the wind blows at this point. And the point being is, yeah, it's scary enough that you've, that, that you, that you're stuck at home trying not to get sick. But at the same time, you you still got to eat. You still have to live. You know, you need soap. You need toothpaste. You, hell, you need a toothbrush. You know, they're, they're, that kind of – a pair of socks. You know, right. You know, because, you know, to, it's one thing to keep these guys from being homeless. It's another to make sure that they don't have to live like that. And and that's that's where we, we, we're trying to work on. So, yeah, there needs to be more of that, you know, and I'm just a small – Well, we only 
each other, you know, especially you said it in the entertainment world. A lot of us realize that. But, you know, right now I feel like the world has become very polarized because I have friends that are not in entertainment and they, you know, love they're working from home. They're on their full check. They don't they're not experiencing the pandemic the same way entertainers are. No, they're not. Broadway was shut down for for gosh sakes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, movie theaters. You couldn't catch me in a movie theater right right now. No, me, no, I know, right? Me, me neither. But you don't have to be in a movie theater because this is the beauty of even what we're doing now. You can tune in anytime, anywhere, and and get great stuff now. Sure. I'm loving the live stream thing. I'm I'm looking at everybody's podcast. I'm on Facebook Live all the time. I love supporting my friends. Oh, but this is the first week of that when New York shut down. Everybody I knew was taking on to Facebook Live, right, and doing these shows. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, Right, and putting their Vembos up. Well, you know, it you're sitting there in your own home, right, with one glass of wine, two glasses of wine, three glasses of wine. And before you know it, at the end of the week, you've, I'm Venmoing, you've spent $250. <laughs> you have a night out on the town for that, but there's no town to go out in. So you're right. doing this from the corner of your couch it's crazy it is it's crazy and 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 uh i've watched i've watched a lot of those as well with the artists that we work with uh throughout time you know that they they'll, they'll pop up on facebook and they're doing their shows and they're trying to get something and you know it's tough to motivate people really you know to 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 want to help out and say you know here here's five bucks or here's ten bucks it's i don't know people are so funny about that they, they want their they want their entertainment for free you know well yeah i know i i would have to totally agree with you on that Totally agree with you on that. So how is everything in Memphis right now? I always think it's warmer there. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's like 65, I think, right now. There's, it's almost 70, so that that's great. Yeah, we've got some colder weather coming here next week, but uh, uh, and it, and it, we get a little bit of snow here from time to time. And the city is not that shut down, um, which is kind of annoying. There's a lot of political back and forth on that whole deal. But the the venues themselves are not allowed to be open, but the restaurants are. And, um, right, right. And, and that's, that's caused, that's a lot of consternation there. And then, you know, this is a music town, so it's not uncommon to be out and about like, well, like we were yesterday, we were out walking about and there was a couple of guys who were sitting on street corners. They were busking, you know, doing the old, the old, the old fashioned way. But that's, I love that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. There, I, but, love that you, I love that you have that. But it, but it takes on a different meaning when you see them now because they're doing it because they have to. It's, you know, they're they not. They're not, they're not, they don't have jobs at, at a warehouse for guys like that. You know, there's, right. they're not, they're not working drive through uh, windows at a, at a fast food joint. You know, these are, these are musicians, you know, and comedians and actors and all these, all these people are just standing around here wondering what's going to happen next. So, you know, people like you and I need to like spread the word a little bit more about getting other people to help out. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that's, you know what, that's exactly what we do. That's why I love coming on these shows. And um, when you said Memphis, I'm like, oh yeah, all of those musicians. Yeah. And you're right. A lot of them, the cool cats are in their eighties. Yeah. No, you know what? Nobody should be in that position at that age. No. And they, it's up to all of us to try and help them. Listen, I go on any kind of thing where I can volunteer my time online. I interview people. I do whatever is asked of me because if I think they're going to be able to raise money, 
for musicians, for actors, for the people that really need it, people that have COVID that were hit so bad they can't work, you know, uh, we can all do it. I really believe, Rick, that all of us can take care of each other. And that's a really important message to get out there. I think, uh, I don't know, maybe perhaps it's been the past several years we've seemed to have gotten away from that. And um, it's it's it became sort of a you know, me for me type of thing. And that has to go, that has to stop. We have to go back. Cause I've always believed that I think, I think people generally are, they have their best interest of other people in mind. I know it's an idealistic thing. It's crazy to think like that, but well, I'm idealistic too. So you're talking, to I, I know I would like to think that, you know, I guess because I'm that way myself, I, you know, I genuinely care when I see something or see something that's gone wrong that needs some type of assistance. Yeah, I'm going to try and fix it as best I can. So, you know, uh, I don't think I don't think the world is just filled with assholes per se. I mean, I know there's a bunch of them out there, but at the same time, I think we're all better than that. We we need to rise above that. And and maybe perhaps once we get this pandemic behind us, which I do believe will happen sooner than later, uh, we'll be we'll be better people for it. I hope you know. Uh, yeah, you you and me both. It's definitely uh, been a game changer going forward. I, I hope so, too. I can tell you here in New York, we have uh, places that a lot of us have dined at, and we coordinated our groups of friends to go there and, and eat. We have the outdoor dining here. Yes. They're, they're allowing 25% inside, but I have to tell you, most people I know up here in the city will not go inside. They don't believe it's safe. And in our outdoor areas, this is the coolest thing. They put in either standing heat lamps or overhead heat lamps. Yeah. So you're pretty cool out there, literally, uh-huh, <laughs> until, yeah. until we get down to like those 20 degree days, which, you know what, we have not had that many of. So fingers crossed, you know, it stays in the 40s and we can help patronize all of our restaurants. Oh, I have to tell you the other night, I sitting on third avenue you've been in new york right? yes i have yes third avenue really noisy and i'm sitting at a table and i'm thinking god i'm sitting here in the bus lane i'm in the bus lane <laughs> eating <laughs> right somebody told me like a year ago that i'd be dining out in the bus lane i would have said what are you crazy you see how how our lives can change so much and just the yes. thing i miss the most is being able to travel yeah yeah can you imagine getting on an airplane right now but there are people, you know, I've been on some shows where the, the hosts, they're in the music industry. They have been flying to L.A. I haven't had to do that. But I wonder if I were faced with that, if I would. because And I'm not a fearful person. I'll work anywhere in the world. But there's something about this particular thing. I've never dealt with a pandemic before. Yeah. And it, it's just too weird. To, it's weird. Every day I say we're in a science fiction film. So it makes me fearful to to get on a plane. I do, though. Um, I spend time in Pennsylvania on the weekends. And I have to tell you, that has been amazing. Do you hike? Do you love to hike? I do. Yes. Yes. So being outdoors there has been everything for me. I know places with waterfalls and... What I do is I take pictures of the waterfalls and then I leave the sound on. I put it on a little video and then I put it up on my Facebook page. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's good for people that, you know, to like look at a waterfall or hear a waterfall, right? It's, it's soothing and healing and all those things. And it's, we had a beautiful fall up here this year. It has, I would honestly tell you, it's one of the most spectacular falls we've had. And I tried to take advantage of everything. You know, I did go on hay rides and I picked pumpkins and apples and, and all of those things. Listen, you know, that's what was available. That's what you got to do. 
you know, as we get toward the end of this whole pandemic thing, too, I was just th- sitting there thinking, uh, obviously, everybody's plans have, have been put on hold or some have even changed with you uh, as, as we as we as we move along into into the next year or two. Are you looking at di- things a little bit differently now or you just want to you know, pick up where you left off? You can't pick up where you left left off because honestly, Rick, I'm a totally different person. <clears throat> I really am. I um I did a lot of testimonials. I was on uh, out there speaking about what COVID was when yeah. there were people that said it was a hoax. Yes. I was very adamant that people understood that myself and my family all got sick and that this is no joke. And it changed me as a person. Going forward, um, I never took things for granted ever. I've never been that person. And I have gratitude like what you can't even imagine. I'm a kid from the Bronx, you know, I that grew up with big dreams and I've realized a lot of those dreams. Going forward, I'm going to continue to make those dreams happen, continue to make films in parts of the world where the stories need to be told or here. I'm a storyteller. I will go back to the clubs again. Um, this whole thing about the new normal, I don't buy that 100%. I am a different person, so my normal will probably be different from it. But hopefully that will show in my work. It will show as I do stand-up. It'll show as I'm a performer. It'll show in the things I write. This this whole like last nine months for me, I hate to tell you, but it, it sounds crazy saying it. It, for, it was like a renaissance. All of a sudden... I'm not a, a technical person. Other than having a smartphone, I had no use for the computer in, in my world. Boy, have I turned into somebody different. And that's a good thing. Sure. Because I feel we can use what I've learned. I'm here with you today. I can be anywhere in the world without ever leaving my home. So I want to do a lot more of that. And I think out there, there's going to be a lot more of those opportunities. And you mentioned, you know, taking care of people. Wow, wouldn't it be great if we could do that on a global platform, you know, where we can go to Europe without ever leaving our homes and and talk about things and communicate what's happening. I learned stuff from you here today, you know, what the scene in Memphis. Yeah, I know there's a music scene in Memphis, but, you know, I think of all the people I see on TV, the country Western singers. Those are all the people that have done incredibly well. They've got the money to weather the storm. But let's talk about, you're right, those those guys that are on the corner, busking. Let's talk about them, you know. Yeah, you got the, the guys in the trenches, you know, they're playing the clubs that are all closed. Right. And, you know, they're there's living hand to mouth. There's tons of them. And being on your show today, you made me very aware of that. So thank you. And I'll take that into my talk when I move forward. Oh, please do. If there's anything I can do to help you out, just let me know. Um, oh, ab- you know. absolutely. Absolutely. That's what, you know, we're, we're all here for. So did you get a chance to look at my book? She's the last model standing. I saw it. I have not read it. Uh, okay. as of so, yet, but um, I saw that you had written it. I was going to, um, you brought it up at the perfect time. Tell, tell, tell me about this book. Well, it, it's about my life coming to New York, um, at 20 years old with $800 and not much of anything else and having to try and make it here right and you know the song if you can make it here you can make it anywhere that's right yes back in those days you really had a chance now it was it's so expensive here it's so hard for kids and they have opportunities in other places but when i came here i will tell you the doors were open so you could be someone like me you know a girl from the bronx who finally gets into Studio 54 and can rub elbows with people that can listen. Those stories still happen, but they are fewer and far between. We're very much in a Kardashian world now. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, very plastic. But 
back in those days, you could just be from, you know, somewhere that nobody ever heard of and you could come here and make it. I mean, look at Madonna. We came at the same time and I can go down a list of other people. And the book is about that. It's about me coming here as a model. I wanted to be a model so badly from the time I was a kid and shooting pictures here, getting turned down by every model agency. I had things happen to me that would have made anybody else pack up their bags and go home. But, you know, my mom lived in Florida. No one was in the Bronx anymore. So I didn't really know what home was going to be. And I only ever knew New York. And I'm like, I, you know, I got to make this happen. And I did. But let me tell you, you know, um, so you do this. So do you have a background being an entertainer when you were like in your 20s? That's all I've ever done. Okay. So we're in the, you know what? I love that, right? Because you and I are in the same boat. Think about every horrific job you had to take. Oh, God, yes. Okay, I and a lot of those are in my book. I mean, you know, handing out flyers on a corner, a street corner, dressed as a chicken, okay, <laughs> from a chicken restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah. Could that be any more humiliating in a chicken suit and comments like nice breasts? That's that, okay? that's nice. That's the that's the, 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 lo- the lowest rung on the showbiz ladder right there. It, it, I'm telling you, I had all of those jobs and my book is meant to be a book of inspiration because it shows you how someone can come here and have every single one of those jobs or the worst acting jobs that you ever heard of, like non-union acting jobs. I worked with, um, have you heard of Troma Productions? Oh my God, yes. I I figured that you did. So they gave a lot of people their start and kudos to Lloyd Kaufman because he put me in a number of those films, but they were non-union. You know, they didn't have what we call turnaround time. And for people that don't know what that is, that means you get to go home and sleep. Right. Right. There wasn't any turnaround time on a trauma production. You would get home at midnight and the van would come to get you the next day at six o'clock in the morning. Okay. Yeah. And and take you to the location. And to this day, um, God bless Lloyd Kaufman because he did, he gave so many actors their, their star and, he would put me in the film. So one of the first ones was Squeeze Play. It was about a girl softball team. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have a film like Squeeze Play, what are you going to have a lot of? Wet t-shirt contest. That's correct. All right. So there were scenes where it was an entire day of trying to get the wet t-shirt contest together, getting it shot right. And and right now, I, while we're talking, it's all coming back to me. I can still hear him saying these words at like 11 o'clock at night. Okay, hose them down. Oh, my God. <laughs> this day, Rick, that those words ring in my head. Then um, I had like they, I worked my way up with them, and I started getting lines in the movie. And they made me uh, a secretary in one of their films, a funny secretary. But you know, maybe I had twelve lines in the film. Well, the time came where they needed somebody to go on the road and promote the film for them. And he said to me, "Listen," he said, um, "I'm going to bill you as the star of the film." Now, I'm a Capricorn. We tell the truth all the time. Yes. He tells me he's billing me as the star of the film. And he said, you're going to go on all these radio shows because I've always had a gift of gab. You're going to go to the mall and sign 8x10s for people. Um, and you're going to do it with a press junket. And I said, but Lloyd, I, you know, I have 12 lines in this film. He, I said, what if someone calls me a liar or calls me out? And he said, don't worry about a thing. We're going to have you out of there before the film opens. <laughs> so, there, so there I was, you know, I, Evansville, Indiana, Henderson, Kentucky, Allentown, PA, Houston, promoting this, uh, this film. And um, 
doing, you know, doing my job, just like here I'm talking about, I talked about the film in the same way and um, had a grand old time. I was wined and dined and uh, the film came out and you know what? Nobody ever got in touch with me and said, Hey, you know what? Uh, you weren't the star of that film. No, no one ever did that. So it just goes to show you, I promoted the film, the film did well. It was all good. I have listened. I have every funky beauty pageant I was ever in, in this book. Oh my goodness. Like our beauty pageants here, Miss America and Miss Universe, those are very legit as far as I know. I was in beauty pageants like the Miss Bikini pageant from Caracas, Venezuela. Okay. <laughs> Somebody came here to one of the model agencies I was with and took 12 of us and gave us different countries to be from. Oh, that's and funny. Flew us, oh, oh, it was it was sick. Flew us to Caracas, Venezuela. I was Miss Switzerland. Rick, I don't have an ounce of Swiss blood in me. <laughs> I ended up being Miss Switzerland because that was the only country left by the time I came in to meet with this guy, a Angelo. And uh, we fly to Caracas, Venezuela. And I wasn't taking this too seriously because it was, you know, a beauty pageant in Caracas, Venezuela. Yeah. Well, it, tell it teaches you never judge a book by its cover. We get down there. We're in this amazing hotel, the Tamanaco, which at the time was a five-star hotel. I don't know what it is now, but every celebrity stayed there. And we were told that the pageant was going to be televised. Well, I, you know, they said televised. I didn't like think, I thought some little hokey channel. Oh, no. It was televised from like a huge conference center. And we had rehearsals with the host of the show. So they bring us down to the pool one day to take press pictures with this guy. He's got incredibly white teeth overly tanned skin, incredibly good looking. And I was told he was a well-known singer. Well, I had never heard of this guy. His name was Julio Inglésis. Oh, right. You're, la you're laughing, right? Uh-huh. Enrico, for our younger people, Enrico Inglésis' father and a major, that was the year he became a crossover talent and started to become, you know, all known in the United States and in Europe. But in, in the year I was there, it was his last year where he was a big star there before he really burst out. So there I was on TV talking about being from Switzerland with Julio hosting and we and oh, they gave us little dance numbers that we had to do and everything. I had a blast. And. The reason I love telling these stories, it's for anybody out there that has a dream. Don't give up your dream. There's all kinds of crazy things that'll happen along the way. Take it in your stride. Learn from your experience. Okay. They make for great stories. And with every experience you have, you grow. All right. If you're a smart person, you'll learn how to grow and you'll learn how to take the good out of it. And my book is a compilation of all of these stories. That's fantastic. It's uh, Last Model Standing. It's available, I guess. Jeez. She's the last model standing. She's the last model and, standing. It's available everywhere. Yeah, and it's available on Amazon. Yeah. And it's and fun. It's a quick read. And I love, you know what? I love sharing my life experiences with people. How uh, how can folks uh, find you on uh, social media? Where, where, where do we need to go? Where do we need oh to click? Oh, my gosh. I'm all over social media. Let's start with my YouTube channel. Yes. Which is Wendy Stewart TV. Yes. And on Wendy Stewart TV, you can find... My show, which is currently running Pandemic Cooking with Wendy, we have, I think, 87 episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Started in March. I have uh, tons of podcasts on there, either ones that I've co-hosted in or ones I have appeared on, uh, interviews, 
some of my theatrical work is I, I have to tell you when I went through and saw all of those things I've done, there's like 135 items since March. Oh, wow. During a pandemic. Right. Which that's another thing. Inspiration folks. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't let it keep you down. So that's on Wendy Stewart TV. You can find all of my stuff. I am Wendy Stewart on Facebook. You can uh, learn more about our films on uh, visual journeys, our stories. And then on Instagram, I'm she's the last model standing. And of course, there's also Twitter, which I'm not on a lot because I'm giving you all these handles. And at the end of the day, I don't have any time to tweet. My I God. hear you. I hear you. Uh, and it's, it's she's the last model standing on Twitter. My website. Let's not forget about that. Absolutely. Also, WendyStewartTV.com. Just that and that's easy. got a whole bunch of other things on it. Well, that's where, that's where people would probably start anyway. WendyStewartTV.com. They go there and they click <laughs> off and go from, go from there. Easy. Wendy, thank you so very much. It was just an absolute joy to talk to you and uh, to hear your positivity. And I'm glad that you recovered from this COVID fairly well and got your sense yeah. of smell back. That's big. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It's really great being here today. You know, keep keep putting it out there, doing what you're doing, right? That's, that's all I can do. Yeah, it's all you got to keep turning that crank and eventually some sausage will happen. That's the way I, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> I like that. When this all this gets lifted, come down, come see me here in Memphis. I'll show you around. We'll have a big time. You'll like it here. I'm taking you up on that. Yeah, absolutely. Me around and yeah, totally. It'll be big. We'll have a large time. A large time. I want to have a large time in Memphis, Rick. Very <laughs> good. Wendy, thank you so very much. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Hi, this is Reverend Oma from the Broom Closet Metaphysical Shop. Now that we're all spending more time at home, let us help you keep things feeling calm and peaceful. We have a huge selection of incense, including sticks, cones, and powders, along with burners to keep your home smelling great and feeling calm. We also offer sage, palo santo, smudges, and room sprays. Add some crystals, singing bowls, or candles, and choose from a variety of mindful living gifts to complete your sacred space. Visit us in downtown Memphis or online at thebroomcloisetmemphis.com. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Here's what's coming up on the next episode from Radio Land with Rick Cheddar. You started, if I understand this right, you started when you were like nine, right? Yes. Yes, I did. And by accident. That's always, I, <laughs> always by accident. <laughs> what happened? Tell me, tell me what happened. Well, um, I, I have this aunt. She's, her name is Mitzi, and... She doesn't have any children, so she loved me to come over with her then husband, and she had a karaoke machine. And so on Sundays, she'd pick me up in the morning, we'd go have breakfast, yeah. then we'd go someplace else, like a museum or something. Like, I'd spend the day with her, and um, then go back to her place uh, in the evening, and we'd play karaoke, or, uh, you know, board games or whatever. And that day we chose to play karaoke and she heard me sing. I can't remember the song that I was singing then, but she heard me singing. For previous episodes, go to radio-memphis.com. To download episodes to your mobile device, search the show in iTunes, player.fm, stitcher.com, pocketcast, or tune in. And now, here's more with Rick Cheddar from Radioland. There you go. You heard what's coming up next time on the program. Yes, indeed, it's a pop star. Ian Guerin going to be on the program. <laughs> Great guy. 
is a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy that conversation as well. That's next week right here from Radio Land. In the meantime, quite uh, quite briefly here, as I know we're getting a little tight on time. Oh, yeah, fuck it. We can do whatever we want. Listen, um, Feed the Blues is underway. It is continuing on, and it will continue on after the holidays. That's important to know. The first run of the of of our stuff uh, is is happening, and it's it, it took off a little more successfully than I think a lot of us had anticipated. But the idea here is to take care of our aging musicians that are still working, well, that were working pre-pandemic, and these are folks that uh, don't have much already. And these were hand-to-mouth uh, type of cats, and these are legacy artists. They're very important to the scene. Uh, to the culture scene, yes, they're the old blues guys, yeah, and uh, this this pandemic has hit them especially hard. If you'd like to learn more about it, go to go to Facebook and search, you know, in the search window there, do the hashtag site, search the hashtag, do the hashtag. I feel like some old geezer when I say that. Search the hashtag, feed the blues, and you can see all about it. It's a, it's an initiative that was put together with the Memphis Blues Society and Radio Memphis, and an ability for you, the listener. And fans of these of these uh, of this music and 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 of uh, entertainment in general, for you to get involved and help take care of some of these guys that can't take care of themselves at this particular point in time. Uh, pride aside, dignity aside, it's a it's a matter of getting the essentials to these folks so they don't have to sit in the dark, they don't have to sit there with an empty bowl. Uh, simple stuff, you know, uh, non perishable food items that we're collecting at our studios, as well as uh, essential stuff, paper products. Uh, <laughs> Socks, <laughs> nice clean pair of socks. That kind of, you know, there's some stuff here that people are needing, and uh, and folks have come through quite dramatically for us, and uh, it's been an absolute delight uh, to to make this happen so far. And it is, like I said earlier, it is an ongoing process that will continue on long after the holidays, all the way through. We can get these guys back on stage and working yet again. Uh, you can get your non-perishable food items and essentials uh, delivered to us if you'd like. Uh, you can come to our if you're in the Memphis area. You can come to our studios Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to uh, 2 p.m. Central Time. Um, well, right, there's not any you know, other time zone change around here, but 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. 4745 Poplar Avenue, or at the Emmons Building across the street from Schlotsky's. Just come into the lower level, come into the lobby, walk downstairs. Uh, there's a lobby, drop it off there. If you cannot make that, if that's, if you don't want to get out, that's fine too. And you've got some stuff that you want to, that you, that you think can help put it together in a box or in a bag or whatever you've got for us and let us know. And one of our volunteers will be more than happy to come by and pick it up from you. How about that? That's a pretty sweet deal too. All you got to do is give us a call at 901-352-0107. That's our, that's our business line. Give it a call. Uh, if nobody answers, leave a voicemail. We'll get somebody out your way and, uh, and take, and you can also send a text to that number too, by the way. So you can, uh, you can go that way and, uh, and help us out. Now, if you're outside the area, if you're outside the Memphis area and you feel compelled to help us out, that's awesome. And we got a way for you to do that as well. You can go to memphisbluesociety.com. That's right. MemphisBluesSociety.com. On the left side, you'll see a link that'll take you to the Papa Don McMinn Musicians Fund. It's a PayPal link. Throw some money in there if you could. That'd be awesome. It doesn't take much, you know. If you're if you're fortunate enough and you've uh, you've been uh, you know taken care of and been able to ride this whole situation out as best as you can, that's awesome. And if you feel that you can spread that around a little bit, that's even more. Uh, th- there's so many wor- worthy charities out there, and uh, we're just one of them. You know, <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, but if you can help us out, that'd be great. Uh, that money will go a long, long way to help keep the, uh, keep the situation going. And this goes, that money stays here locally too, by the way, and it's tax deductible. And it does things like help some of these guys get the medicines that they need. 
You know, these are seniors for the most part. So they, they, you know, they, they might need to, they might need a little bit of help with that. Maybe even to keep the damn lights on because the utility company here, they don't give a shit. They'll cut your ass off just like that, man. So, <laughs> so this helps them out as well. I don't, I, it, I, we laugh about it because that's what we as entertainers do find a little bit of humor in this kind of stuff like that, but we're dead serious at the same time. And if you can help us out, uh, you can find all the information, search the hashtag feed the blues on Facebook and you'll find everything you need to know about that. Or you can go to the booze and blues Facebook page. Uh, just search radio Memphis, Facebook, uh, radio Memphis, booze and blues on Facebook. And it's even on our main page as well. So you can, you can do that. And that'd be awesome. That'd be a, that'd be sweet. That'd be great. We thank you for it in advance. So there you go. I'll leave you with that. Please. Those of you who celebrate, have a Merry Christmas, have a happy holiday. We'll be back before the end of the year for the year ender. Woo-hoo! That'll be big. We're going to end it with a pop star too. That'll be fun. So that's all, that's all coming up next week. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. And for God's sake, stop shooting each other, all right? I'm Rick Cheddar, and this has been from Radioland. Rick Cheddar from Radioland is produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. All music performed during this episode was used by permission. No part of this program can be rebroadcast or used in any other way except by written consent. For more, go to radio-memphis.com. 